This week's episode of the Art Tactic Podcast is sponsored by ArtBase. Are you managing an art collection, an artist studio, or a gallery? Is it time to bring your collection management skills up to a professional level? We think so. Well, ArtBase is the right software to manage your art business. ArtBase allows you to track your artworks and contacts in an easy-to-use, powerful database. You just enter your data once and use that data to generate reports, offers, contracts, and much more. They've got a brand new version out with a whole new look that can be used on the cloud from any location on any device. So what are you waiting for? Go to artbase.com now to learn more and be sure to mention Art Tactic for a 15% discount. Over the past 12 years, the Art Tactic podcast has grown to be a leading art market podcast. Each week we share an exclusive in-depth interview with a key art world insider. As we move into a new phase of programming, we want our broadcast to be listener-supported and create content that you want to hear, not what we think you want to hear. You can support us by visiting contribute.to slash arttactic. Thanks for listening to the Art Tactic Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Green. Hope everyone's doing well. It's finally feeling like things are starting to return to normal. We're having art fairs left and right, gallery openings every week. And the upcoming November auctions in New York have strong material and should do very well. One interesting development that we haven't discussed at length on the podcast before is the incredible growth of the art market in Seoul, Korea. More and more galleries are opening up branches there. Freeze Art Fair just announced their expansion into Asia with an upcoming fair in Seoul. And there are numerous younger collectors in Korea that have emerged on the global art scene. So in this week's episode of the podcast, we chat with Rena Davey, an independent arts journalist who wrote a great article in the art newspaper about the recent developments in Seoul, and she was kind enough to join us all the way from Singapore to chat about it. Hope you enjoy the conversation. Thanks so much for downloading and listening. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, uh, thank you for having me back. Of course. Thanks so much for joining us all the way from Singapore. So you wrote a really interesting article in the art newspaper reporting on the growth of the art market in Seoul. And really, there's been a lot of focus over the past decade or so on different areas in Asia. It feels like first it was Hong Kong, then mainland China, now Seoul. So why is the international art world all of a sudden turning to Seoul? Um, yeah, this is this is a question everybody's talking about right now as well. So there are a few reasons to why this is happening. Uh, over the past five years, South Korea has witnessed a growing number of collectors, growing profit amongst local big galleries and auction houses. Also, the first generation Western galleries to open uh, spaces and outposts in the city these past five years, such as Pace, various small fires in Perton, they have proved to be relatively successful. And during this same period, um, we saw the development of significant private museums and art spaces by major homegrown MNCs, such as Amore Pacific Museum of Art, Lotte Museum of Art, Hyundai Card Storage, Space K, Seoul, Paradise Zip, and many more. And these spaces are generally generally known for showcasing good quality, emerging and accomplished artists, not only from Korea, but also from around the world. 
And according to my sources on the ground, they are likely that more of such spaces will open in Seoul in the next few years as well. Also, uh, we, we can't forget that Korea is already, already very well known for organizing major binales in the region, like uh, Guangzhou Binale and Seoul Media City Binale. There's also a project inspired by the country's unique uh, geopolitical circumstances titled the Real DMZ Project. This is a contemporary art initiative that started in um, uh, 2012 and is based on research conducted on the DMZ, which is the demilitarized zone in South Korea and its border area. And in addition, there's also other projects like um, Sangha Farm Village and Gapado Air. So these projects, they, they, they attempt to grasp the maturity and complexity of the local art scene. Of course, with uh, as with any art market hub, one of the most alluring factors for why for South Korea's appeal as an you know art market hub is that it does not have import taxes on art or sales tax for any items below uh, a specific amount, which was around uh, fifty one thousand fifty one thousand um, US US dollars. But I think the I think the president of PKM Gallery, which is a major local gallery in the city, told the art newspaper in another article that this may change at some point because the government is thinking of imposing a tax on artworks. But another major factor that we need to that that we need to consider in terms of this boom and interest and everything is the impact and influence of celebrity culture in Korea that has popularized collecting art and appreciating art in the mainstream public. Personally, I find this a rather interesting phenomenon because I come from a city, a country where celebrities and mainstream society have no real interest in contemporary or modern art. But in Korea's case, for example, uh, last month there was a start art fair at Sachi Gallery in London, where K-pop stars such as Mino and Henry Lau showcased artwork which they themselves had created. And I read this in a, in a Guardian article talking about the art fair, that apparently in Seoul, uh, fa uh, fans queue around the block just to see a work of art by these K-pop stars. And they even fight each other to buy these works. And then on, on the other hand, you also have um, Korean celebrities who collect art and by doing so make these artworks and artists familiar to their fan base, increasing the popularization of art in mainstream society. So for example, you had um, Korean pop star uh, Top. He helped organize a Sotheby's sale in 2016. That reportedly marked the beginning of this celebrity celebrity curated auction trend. So when he did so, when he did that in 2016, his fans were very enthusiastic about it. And I think it was the Sotheby's executive, Yuki Therese, who told Artnet, if I'm not wrong, that um, even though when they did the preview for um, his collection in, um, for the works that he had selected in uh, Korea, in Hong Kong, they saw a lot of high school students in uniforms with, who may not have money to collect art, but they learn a lot about these artists through their idol. 
So you'll be surprised how much of his fans know about artists such as Jonas Wood and more. So all, all these all these different reasons and different factors, and I'm sure there are many more as well, but these basically essential factors that are covered, they, pre they essentially present a lot of potentialities for an emerging market. And, you know, is showing that there's more room for growth and development as well. So I'm assuming that that's why the international art world is paying attention. That's really interesting about celebrity culture and its influence on broader collecting habits and soul because places like the US and Europe, of course, they have very strong celebrity cultures, but we aren't seeing celebrities collecting activities have a significant impact on other collectors and the overall market. But it seems that in Seoul, that is the case. Yeah, I, I think so. Because, I mean, I mean, we read reports constantly about how, I don't know, Brad Pitt showed up at Freeze LA or something like that, you know. But right. it's not going to make all his fans rush down to Freeze and buy art there, right? It, you, you don't necessarily see that kind of run-on effect. But in this case, there's, there's a different effect in play altogether. And you already touched on this briefly, but who are some of the recent major galleries who have opened locations in Seoul? And what are some of the significant events in the art world in Seoul throughout the year? I mean, you have, obviously, you have the international um, outposts, like, um, for example, in April, uh, Berlin's Kunig Gallery opened a space on the fifth floor of a luxury boutique in Seoul's Gangnam district. Then in September, Gladstone <clears throat> Gallery announced that it was going to open a space in the same area. And their space is um, being run by um, Heejin Park. And um, she gave some very interesting quotes from um, the article I wrote for the art newspaper. Uh, she previously worked at the leading Korean gallery, uh, Kukji. And in October, Teddy's, Teddy's Ropak opened their space in Hanam Dong. Um, there's also KF Seoul, which is the uh, major art fair in the city, the one that's going to be partnering with Freeze next year. Um, so KF Seoul just wrapped up its 20th edition in October, just last month. Um, I talked to a couple of people who were exhibiting at the fair and visiting it and I remember, I think, uh, Su Choi, who runs the Koenig space in Seoul, described the entire fair period as very busy with interested buyers lining up at the gallery's booth on the first VVIP day itself. She also noted, she and a few other um, exhibitors also noted that while the crowd was mostly local, the influx of established international galleries the anticipation for free soul next year and the growing interest amongst locals to buy art contributed to the crowds and brisk sales. Um, Various Small Fires is a LA gallery with a space in the city and they participated in Kiev this year. Given that most Asian collectors seem to be interested in Western blue chip art, the gallery is trying to use their reputation as an international gallery from the West to flip the script and create more interest in young Korean artists. So at their Kiev booth, they exhibited paintings by Seoul-born New York-based Mark Young. Other major local galleries include, like I mentioned, Kukje and PKM Gallery. There's also galleries which work closely with celebrities, which is what I mentioned earlier as well. So for example, you have Gallery Stan, 
that works closely with SM Entertainment. I think you may even have heard this company name before because they are one of the major companies behind like a number of well-known K-pop acts that are, you know, uh, popular globally even. Then there's also a new Spring Project, which is a relatively, which I think is a relatively new gallery opened by the owner of a former gallery, Xiaomi International. They apparently put their artwork on Korean, on popular Korean dramas, like Mine, which is a 2021 show. Uh, Whistle is another local gallery getting a lot of attention. I was told by a local art dealer that people who are serious about art in Korea are excited about this gallery's uh, Korean artists and programming. And uh, I also heard about this rather interesting platform and program. Um, it's uh, it's, uh, it's BGA, which stands for Background Artworks. They offer an online art and art writing subscription service and offline curated commercial exhibition space. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure there's more, there, I'm sure there's way more than what I've just mentioned and talked about, and I've only covered the tip of the iceberg. But I mean, it's also quite likely that more and more of these uh, kinds of spaces, whether local or international, will emerge in the next few years. And one of the other really major developments is Freeze choosing to expand to Seoul out of all the different options in Asia. It was a pretty interesting decision. How have people reacted to that decision? So um, what's interesting, uh, like you said, what's in, it's interesting that they picked Seoul in the various options in Asia. And what's also interesting is that Freeze has actually been considering this region for a while. So in fact, in September 2018, in collaboration with the Singapore Tourism Board, Freeze launched a three-part series of thought leadership events in Singapore and London, inviting creatives, collectors, and academics from Southeast Asia and the international art scene to share their insights on specific topics like private museums, etc. I'm not sure whether there was any intention for a fair here in Singapore, but you know that they clearly were trying to suss out the region and you know see what works and what doesn't in this part of the world um i think in terms of other art hubs in the region almost everyone has got their own major fair with international ambitions or fair partnership with a big name international company going on so amongst regional industry insiders and observers it's not surprising that so you know, landed such an arrangement as well. It It's kind of uh, common for this part of the world, especially. Um, locally, at least, for those in the industry side of things in um, Korea and in Seoul, there seems to be a lot of, a lot more excitement and anticipation regarding uh, Freeze, uh, the Freeze partnership next year. Even remote, even talking remotely to the galleries who were exhibiting in Kiev just last month, and even some people I know who were visiting the fair, I you know I could tell how geared up they are for next year and how how um, excited they are. Um, in fact, I uh, Esther Kim very from various small fires was telling me how for next year's Freeze Soul her team is already working on organizing a week of events, dinners, along with local galleries and institutions for, 
for their for, to visit. And this is as part of efforts to share the, uh, their knowledge of the city with their clients and artists. And let's not forget that um, travel restrictions are being relaxed in Korea as we speak. So um, there's going, they already announced that there will be uh, vex, uh, you know, like uh, quarantine free travel lanes for those who are vaccinated with certain countries. Um, for example, I think the one with Singapore is going to be launching in uh, November this month. And so all these, uh, all this will inevitably will inevitably gear up even more anticipation and momentum for the international fair next year. And, uh, but having said all that, I'm sure that those in the art scene, local art scene at least, with concerns and hesitations. But um, but I mean, right now it seems that everybody is mostly quite. Um, anticipatory and excited about it so those aren't the loudest voices you hear right now and possibly when you're on the ground you'll be able to see if there any, there's anybody or anyone who you know might not be all on board about a huge art fair coming in well that's really great that the border's starting to open up again and travel will increase and hopefully that trend continues one area of this art market in seoul that we haven't addressed is this group of new younger collectors. It's really been one of the drivers of growth there. Tell me more about this group of collectors. How new are they to the art world? What exactly is motivating them to collect and what are they collecting exactly? So, um, yeah, I'm totally fascinated with this growing group of young collectors in Seoul. If I could write an entire analysis on them, I would. I also admit I'm still learning about this group of people as well. Um, so from what I can tell is that, that I mean, most people know as that there are a number of established private collections in South Korea. But right now, the fastest growing group of art buyers are those in their 20s to 40s. And many of these people made their money in the on the financial markets during the pandemic bubble. And reportedly, this increase in young collectors is likely to be connected to the government imposing a big tax on real estate transactions, making people hesitant about selling or buying houses. So that ended up making that that kind of caused them to turn to art as an investment. Um, the uh, and, but an interesting thing is that painting is the medium of choice for many Korean collectors. They're not really interested, they don't seem really to be interested in photography or digital art. So yeah, I'm not sure how well NFTs do there. I, 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 I yeah, and, as, and also that's why paintings were everywhere at Kiev. And um, so while some galleries and dealers have been impressed with these local collectors, like a dealer at Kiev told me that she was really impressed with the quality of collectors and the rigor of their research and how that there's this robust collecting community where people share with each other information. So work travels very fast when people are interested in certain works. But there are also other local dealers and galleries who seem to think that um, even though the a, Growth, growth of pie as a whole is a, is good news. 
um, quality control and further education might definitely be the next required step. They feel that among these collectors, there needs to be more understanding and interest in the complexity of the local art scene and in emerging young artists rather than the usual names or secondary market works or one specific medium alone. But yeah, this is definitely a group worth um, following and looking, you know, more into, especially in the months and years to come. Yeah, and so how is this incredible expansion of galleries, art fairs, collectors, impacted the local art market in Seoul, whether we're talking about local galleries and local artists? I think that everybody just feels that there's generally more demand, more dynamism and more anticipation and expectation to um, sell more and uh, create more and and do more, especially on the market side of things. And um, it's become it's it, it's reached a level of hype and busyness and uh, heat and demand that I think people have never seen before. Because I know some people who are from Seoul, from South Korea, who were, who have been away for a while, and they returned to the city recently, and they couldn't believe how much was going on and how much more demand and hype and activity there was in the local art market and local art scene. And but at the same time, you know, we have to, there's also the, the, the notion that all this is very market centric and or celebrity focused right now. So inevitably, there, it, it will lead to questions about how much all this market activity is exacerbating existing social inequality issues in the country. I mean, to be fair, this is a problem most of the world and the art world is also facing, especially now, you know, since the pandemic. But I think that in South Korea, there is a very distinctive um, dissonance about, um, you know, these two sides of the country and of their economic uh, uh, sphere. I mean, I mean, the you know, the recent Netflix show Squid Games has become so popular. Mm -hmm. So that's all about, um, that's basically about debt in the country. And that's a very real issue that uh, South Korea is facing. And so these are things that, so for example, South Korea's household debt ballooned to record levels in the second quarter of 2021. Um, and citizens in their 30s are the most heavily leveraged, having borrowed on average more than 260% of their income, according to the Bank of Korea. So when you take that information in consideration next to the fact that, you know, you have this huge group of young collectors in the 20s and 40s buying more art and looking to invest in more art. And so how you it's a it's a it's a it's a really big dissonance that I think that people are going to start talking about more and more and looking into more and more when they think and talk about how much all this expansion is ex impacting the local art market and local art scene in Seoul. Yeah, so that's something that I think that, you know, we need to think about a bit more as well. 
Definitely. Well, we'll certainly be observing what's happening in Seoul and how the art world there evolves over the next several years. Reno, we really appreciate you coming on the podcast to chat with us about this. And if our listeners haven't read your article in the art newspaper, they certainly should. And you're often on social media reporting on the art market and posting your articles in various publications. For our listeners who want to follow you there, where can they find you? Um, they can follow me on uh, Twitter at Rena Davy SR or Instagram, uh, Rena Meets World. Perfect. Thanks so much again, Rena. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. We want to thank ArtBase for sponsoring this week's episode of the Art Tactic Podcast. Are you managing an art collection, an artist studio, or gallery? Is it time to bring your collection management skills up to a professional level? Well, ArtBase is the right software to manage your art business. ArtBase allows you to track your artworks and contacts in an easy-to-use, powerful database. All you do is enter your data once, and you use that data to generate reports, offers, contracts, and a bunch more. They've got a brand new version out with a whole new look that can be used in the cloud from any location on any device. So go to artbase.com now to learn more, and be sure to mention Art Tactic for a 15% discount.